0: This is Greg Lozinski, and you're listening to Baseball BBQ.
1: Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and you're listening to Jeff and Len on Baseball and Barbecue, one of my favorite podcasts, and I know it's one of yours, too. The only problem is after i get done listening to it i'm hungry all right guys take it away ladies and gentlemen children of all ages welcome to episode number
2: 35
1: episode number 35 of baseball and bbq where the bbq stands for barbecue you are len aberman and you are jeff cohen And we are excited, as you can tell, because on this episode, we have none other than Ed Casputis of Baseball PhD. What is Baseball PhD, and who is Ed? Keep listening, and you will find out, because for the past 10 years, Ed has been podcasting. Yes, and he has his PhD in baseball. How many of you have a Ph.D. in baseball? Did you even know you could get a Ph.D. in baseball? Probably not, but now you're going to find out how you can get a Ph.D. in baseball. And as Ed said, get a Ph.D. in life. In
2: life. Through baseball.
1: Right. I I am extremely excited about it, Uh, but first, Jeff, why don't we tell them how to contact the show? and rate us on iTunes and everything else that we want to tell them and make them wait to hear this interview with Ed.
2: (laughs) Okay. Please give us a call. Our phone number is 516-855-8214. You could email us. Email address is baseballandbbq at gmail.com. Go on to our Facebook page. Leave a comment. We're always posting stuff there. And check out our website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. Did you give the phone number? I gave the phone number. It's It's 855-516-855-8214. Don't forget the area code. 516-855-8214.
1: And if you call, don't expect us to answer. It's a voicemail. But that's where you can leave your comments. If you... Are just tuning in, or you missed an episode? Last episode, episode number thirty-four, was an interview with none other than Ed Randall.
2: Right, and Ed Randall is—he uh, knows everything about baseball, and it, that was uh, that was very fun to do.
1: Yeah, it was like a, he's like a baseball encyclopedia, but he's lived through it and he's interviewed these people. He talks about Yogi Berra. And um, we asked him, you know, we asked him questions that he didn't have any time to prepare for. They weren't your run-of-the-mill questions. And we asked him, I mean, for instance, we just came up with some names. And we asked him, what one question would you ask them if you were interviewing them? And without hesitation, he gave answers. And not once did he say to us, oh, well, you didn't give me any time to prepare. Nope. He was great. It was great. So if you haven't heard that interview, you got to listen to it.
2: That's Absolutely.
1: Because if you don't listen to that, then just turn this off because, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen to this listen and then to listen, listen to that.
2: Right. And without any further ado, and I hate that term, by the way. But you say it. I say it because it's something to say. Right. Without further ado.
0: Ado. Ado.
2: Ado. Here is uh, our interview with Ed Casputas. Oh, another Ed. I just
1: realized that. Yeah. Two Eds in, in a row. Two heads are better than one.
2: Ah, get it, get it. <laughs> All,
1: right. All right, here we go. Now's the interview.
2: <laughs> so we're here with Ed Kasputis, who is a, a podcaster for Baseball PhD. It's a great podcast, which I found out about uh, four or five years ago when I was uh, looking first getting into the podcast, and uh, it, I really enjoy it. He does it with his couple of buddies, uh, Frawley Dillinger and Mark Rantala. And once in a while, another friend of his, Dave Matejia, comes in from time to time. So, welcome to Baseball Barbecue, Ed. How are you? Good, very good. I just had some Wilbur beans. Ah, okay. <laughs> you know, Ed, Ed a you usually last around 10 episodes. You're going on 10 years. So, what's the secret of your success?
0: I don't know when to quit because <laughs> it's like being on a sports team. By doing the podcast, I get to see my friends, Farley and Mark, on a regular basis for a legitimate reason. But as guys, we wouldn't see each other every two weeks for ten years if we didn't have a purpose and we couldn't explain to our family, i got to go, I'm, I'm, I'm on a podcast. Ten years ago, I had a friend pull me aside and said, You have no hobbies. All you're doing is work, man. You'll kill yourself. All you do is work. And I said, Oh, what can I do that can be constructive? And they go. Well, oh, I like baseball, and uh, why not do a podcast on baseball? No one's going to say I'm a bad, uh, terrible man hanging out at parks watching little kids if I did baseball. <laughs> so it was my idea, and we started it. And it's you know it takes a lot of work. It does. And there are yeah. times, there are times I'm jealous. Farley will call me. Hey, I'm at the ball game. Where are you? I'm editing audio, <laughs> telling people they should go to a ball game. What's going on here? Uh, But yeah, it's a lot of work, and I guess I don't know when to quit. And uh, this is our 10th season. Uh, Are we going to do 10 more? Eh, Maybe not 10 more, but we'll see. You know, I'm 58. Mark Rantel is like uh, 65, 66. Farley's 50. The way I think about it is, Hey, I didn't know the answer to that. We should do a podcast. If I don't know, I bet you 45% of the baseball world doesn't know something about this topic. Let's do a podcast. So I've gotten a very well-rounded education on baseball and baseball history because of the podcast.
1: What, um, Ed, it's Leonard. How are you? Good, good, good. So what's, I mean, one of the benefits for us is that we get to, to talk to people we wouldn't talk to. We've uh, gotten to do some things we didn't get to do, like uh, go to uh, Citizens Bank Park, and we you know, eat barbecue and uh, right. meet Greg Luzinski. So what's uh, what, what are some of the perks that you've gotten from doing the podcast?
0: Well, when I started the podcast, I had been to 18 of the 30 stadiums, and I made the commitment that we can never do a podcast where none of us have gone. So in the 2010 baseball season, I strategically went to the final 12 ballparks and strategically scheduled the podcast so that I could go to the ballpark, and then we do a podcast like, I was just at Dodger Stadium, it's great. I was just at Petco Park, it's great, Uh, and all that. So, you know, for me, for baseball travel, I love to see the ballparks, but if you put a gun to my head, I'm not a sports nerd. So many times when I go to other cities, I'm doing other non-baseball things. And sometimes, even though baseball is great, the non-baseball thing might be the highlight of the trip. And the baseball part was pretty good. So, you know, I've been to presidential museums and taken uh, bike rides with my children in Central Park. And I had to, like, drive through uh, uh, Broadway with seven kids. To get to Central Park on bikes. And it's like those are the things that you kind of remember. In fact, we did that as we went to the first Saturday game at New Yankee Stadium. And a day later, we went to the first Sunday game at City Field. I met up with a friend from Philadelphia at City Field. And it was at that game, the first Sunday game at City Field, that the friend, David Druben from Philadelphia, taught me about Mo Berg. And I'm like, Tell me about Mo Berg. What do you mean? And that's when I started to learn about Mo Berg. And about a month or two after I read his book, it's like, that's when I got the idea or the theme for baseball PhD. What would you do if you get a PhD in life through baseball? Because Mo Berg, although he was a baseball player for 19 years in the majors, loved to travel the world. He loved to explore the world. And I said to myself, that's me. If I'm going to go to L.A., let's check the schedule. I'll go when the Dodgers are in town. Then I'll go see the other stuff that I want to see.
2: Well, let's talk about that for a second. I was going to say this a little bit later, but since you brought it up already with Mo Berg, you've actually uh, kind of walked in the steps, didn't you? Yeah,
0: for, I think, episode 36, we did a, a podcast dedicated to Moberg. I went to Princeton, New Jersey, and, you know, walked the halls of Princeton where Moberg Berg went. I went to Newark, New Jersey, and knocked on Moe Berg's door, and I met like five Mexicans, and it's like, you're in Moe Berg's house, and they're like, what, huh, huh, and at the end of Moe Street is literally like a 20-story apartment building that's abandoned with no windows, and it's like, wow, this is a tough neighborhood. I also went to Virginia and met a lady named Linda McCarthy, and she was. She has retired now, but she was the curator for the CIA museum. And the only people that can go to the CIA museum are CIA agents. And she had a uh, display for Mo Berg. And at the end of each night, when she was turning off the lights to the museum, she'd walk up and look at Mo Berg's birthday card or baseball card and say, Good night, Mo. So I go visit this lady in Virginia She's got vanity plates on her Jeep, Mo Berg. Really? (laughs) And then I'm meeting her in her living room, and she's showing me the travel locker that she bought at an auction that Mo Berg and Jimmy Fox shared when they went to Japan in 1933. So, you know, this is the first time where I went, I dug deeper than the book. Right. And I did some primary research on my own. In 2012, when I went to opening day in Tokyo, there's a hospital called St. Luke's Hospital. There's a story where Mo Berg, one day when they were there, played hooky. He called in sick. Mo Berg read like 12 newspapers a day. And he read that the ambassador to Japan, the U.S. ambassador to Japan, had a daughter, and she gave birth to a baby at St. Luke's Hospital. So Mo Berg gets dressed up in a kimono, and he takes a Bell and Howe camera with him and puts it under the kimono. He goes to St. Luke's Hospital, checks in at the first floor, finds out that she is in the on the fifth floor. He takes the elevator up. As it opens, he looks. Nobody's there. He throws the flowers that he came with in the trash and goes up one level more to the sixth floor. When you get to the sixth floor, there's a spiral staircase to the stairs or to the roof. He takes that. He gets on the roof. At the time, St. Luke's Hospital was the tallest building in Tokyo. By far, it is not that anymore. And just, he wasn't even a spy. He starts shooting footage of the Tokyo skyline. So, as I plan my trip, I send an email to the PR department of St. Luke's Hospital. Hey, I'm an American. I'm doing research on Mo Berg. I'd like to interview you and walk your spiral staircase and interview you on the roof. Everybody in Japan's polite and they're like, "Oh, we would be honored." So I go there, I walked, I ride the same elevator Berg did, I walk up the staircase and I interviewed the two PR people on the roof. That's one of our mini casts And I asked them, "When did you learn about Berg? And they go, "When you sent us email." <laughs> then we researched and it's all true. Yeah. So you know, but that's the first time I like took a couple pages from a book, traveled across the world, and kind of lived it only because the book said it
2: existed. Right, and actually, that that what you just explained was actually accurately portrayed in the movie that came out last year. We know, you know, that which was a very yeah. good movie, but uh, you know, some it was, you know, some uh, you know directors, you know, cut or whatever. But, but right. that, that was exactly right what happened.
0: No, oh, and I chuckled there, and you know. Uh, for, for all of our listeners, travel makes the world smaller. I mean, in 2015, I went and saw the Jets and Dolphins play in London. And my hotel was by the Waterloo subway station in London. The other day, I'm, I'm searching through YouTube, and I see a marriage proposal with the flash mob. Where? At the Waterloo subway station in London. And I'm watching it, it's like, This is all coming back to me. This is where I was. So as you travel the world, you know, because I've been to all 30 Major League ballparks, when I watch a game, I can close my eyes. I know what the outside of the ballpark's like. I know what the features are. And it's like, okay, I don't have to go to every ballpark again for the fifth time unless they change things. Like this year, I'm going to the last game at Rangers ballpark to say goodbye with Mark and Farley. And then next year, when they open the new ballpark, we'll go on opening day to renew my baseball PhD so exactly. that I'm always up to date.
2: That was actually one of my questions. You have to renew it once the new stadium opens. That's one of my questions.
0: And, like, when it, when Atlanta opened, I took Mark and Farley to opening day. It's like, if we got to go, guys, are you going to remember opening day better than a generic game? Yeah. So let's go.
2: Absolutely. I'm about halfway to my PhD. In fact, I'm going to be going to Cincinnati in September to check that one off the list. And I know
0: Yeah, that, you'll love it.
2: Yeah. I believe you said there was some type of uh, a museum there that we sh- I should check out? The uh, yeah, when Underground the Railroad Great museum. Ameri-
0: Well, next door to the Great American Ballpark is the Underground uh, uh, Freedom Railroad Museum. But also next door, the Great American Ballpark is kind of like a campus. And they've got a, an auxiliary building where you can go for a, a sexy gift shop and the Reds Hall of Fame and all that stuff. I actually like that little concept. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's lots of green space around there. Now, if you're going to go to Cincinnati, maybe you've got to do something that I haven't done yet. Ninety minutes away is the Louisville Slugger Museum.
2: Oh, what's that?
0: And you might want to see that and get a customized bat and all that stuff. Every time in in Louisville, I'm in. Mean, I'm there for a different reason, and I just don't have enough time to get to the Louisville Slugger Museum. Uh, but Cincinnati's great. Get some Skyline chili, uh, and then get some Graders ice cream. When I was in the legislature in the '90s, the uh, members of the Ohio House that were from the Cincinnati area they were so proud of their region they would bring Graders ice cream and Skyline chili to Columbus when they had fundraisers, to say, hey, you should have some of our civilization.
1: Skyline Chili served over spaghetti?
0: Yeah, okay. and then you get it multiple ways, onions, cheese. And then they've got, Jeff, yep, they've got Coney dogs. They're half-sized uh-huh. they're, they're hot dogs, sprinkled with, like, I swear to God, two inches of uh, cheese in that. You got to get at least one Coney dog too. Okay.
1: And Ed, maybe uh, maybe he should take a trip down to Athens to uh, go to see Ohio University. Maybe. <laughs> Home, uh, where where Mike Schmidt came from.
0: Uh, and Balabada. Uh, Mike... <laughs> and you know what? In the '30s, that's where my father went to college. He played football
1: and track at Ohio University. Yeah, that I'm an alum as well because I know you're from Cleveland. Oh, you was...
0: You went to Ohio University?
1: Yeah, I'm a Bobcat. Yeah.
0: And what, what about Cleveland?
1: Did you say you're from Cleveland? No, no, I know you're You are from
0: Cleveland, right? Right, and it's yeah. still a good drive yeah. right. from Cleveland to Athens. And right. baseball PhD listeners and for barbecue and uh, 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 baseball listeners, your cell phone might not work. It depends on the plan. Maybe Verizon works, but if you have anything other... You might blink and go, why don't why don't I have a reception in Athens?
1: <laughs> right. Well, so I, yeah, and my son goes to school in Ohio, too, but he goes to Kenyon. Okay. Uh, so I was actually, I was just in Ohio the past uh, two weekends, but I didn't make it down to Cleveland. I want to make it down to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but uh, I digress. We should stay on topic. <laughs>
0: Uh, so I think the topic is baseball, travel, and eating. Yeah. In, right. uh, you know, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Cleveland is famous. We've got a lot of up-and-coming, uh, you know, entrepreneurial restaurants here. Uh, there's a guy named Michael Simon.
1: Yes, he and, has a uh, he, right. He has a barbecue. Uh, he has a barbecue restaurant there in Ohio, right? He's
0: got multiple stuff yeah. in Cleveland, but yes. yes, he has a barbecue yeah. restaurant on uh, East Fourth Street, right by Progressive Field. There's a lot of interesting places to eat before the ball game.
2: Yeah, I gotta get to Progressive Field one of these days. But uh, the opportunity came up to go to uh, Cincinnati, so that's where I'm gonna head out first. Um, yeah, no, you'll, you'll love Cincinnati. And they happen to be playing my Mets that day. So, Ed, you're from Cleveland, so Indian fan, right?
0: I, uh, after the 2016 World Series, I had like a damn Yankee moment. You go, what do you mean? It was a damn Indians moment, (laughs) and it's almost like I'm in Garden with the Wind, and it's like, I will never eat a bad meal again at the feet of Chief Wahoo. I am a 56-year-old man, and every year they let me down, so I have looked Farley and Mark in the eye, and it's like, guys, I'm a Yankees fan.
1: Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's not religious. Come on. And then I pulled. Then I pulled out actuary data from Social Security, and it's like, Mark, the United States government says you are going to die at the age of eighty-one. How old are you now? Sixty-six. How many World Championships have the Indians won in sixty-six years? None. How many world championships are the Indians going to live in the next win in the next fifteen years before you die? Four. No, 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 Mark. How many world championships have the Yankees won in your lifetime, Mark? I don't know. What if I told you sixteen, Mark? What if I told you sixteen? That's a lot. So I am when I started baseball PhD, I was just a connoisseur of baseball. I was not a local team homer, because if I was, I would go crazy. And I came to the attitude of, you want to see World Series games? No problem. Buy airline tickets and go to the World Series. Do not sit around waiting for Haley's Comet to come to your city. Right.
1: Yeah, (laughs) but come on. It's a lot sweeter when the team you really root for wins. Ask the Cub fans. Well, send
0: me the memo. Tell me when it happens. (laughs) <laughs> well? Is it gonna happen is it gonna happen this year, Len? Uh you never know. The highlight of a Cleveland Indians experience. Yeah, yeah. We got the game seven. And they still pronounced our name okay on national T V <laughs> as we lost game seven in extra innings. Whether it was in Miami, right, Miami. in nineteen ninety seven right. or it's better yet, better script now. We're at home. Uh. Playing the Cubs, that can't ever win. And about five years prior to 2016, I prophesized on the podcast and said the only way the Chicago Cubs can win a World Series is if they play the Cleveland Indians, and it happened. And my new prop—my new prophecy—is the only way the Washington Nationals can win a World Series is if they play the Cleveland Indians.
1: That's going to be a long. time. That's going to be a
2: long time. Those Nationals are not uh, not doing too well. They uh,
0: well. They then my the my, my next prophecy is that I can live a long, healthy life and never see them burn down anything in Cleveland.
1: That's true. Ed, what's the uh, what's the thing you you you've traveled a lot and so you've gone to a lot of games? What's the most amazing thing you've been witness to in person?
0: Uh, game 6, 2011 World Series. Uh, two occasions, the Rangers were, were one strike away from winning the World Series. Right. Uh, David Freeze David hits Freeze. the extra inning home run. And 30 minutes after the game, I'm standing in front of the Stan Musial sta- uh, statue. And a guy walks up to me and says, Hi, I caught the game-winning ball. Well, what happened to you? The ushers grabbed me. I tried to sneak out. They grabbed me. They took me to the locker room. They gave me a guilt trip that I should give the ball to David Freeze. So I did. And they gave me this autographed bat. And they gave me this autographed ball. And I'm looking at them like, oh, they fleeced you. Do you have tickets for tomorrow? No. Oh. And literally, I I shot the interview on my iPhone. And that interview is on the Baseball PhD YouTube channel. And the next morning I wake up, I'm getting ready to fly home. I just didn't have enough money to stay for game seven. And that poor guy is on St. Louis morning TV begging. Can somebody give me a ticket? <laughs> so, he sounds like, a, a lot like later. Farley.
1: <laughs> Th- that guy sounds right. like Farley.
0: Well, yeah, kind of, maybe. So, but the, the, the moral of the story was we did research about a month later and determined that that ball was worth about $3 million. Wow. So you got to slow down. And this poor guy, even in the interview, is like, well, I didn't want to hold the Cardinals hostage. And it's like, hostage? Dude, they didn't charge me five bucks to get into a World Series game. They make, they're, they're a for-profit enterprise. Uh-huh. So, whatever. So, that was a great memory, and and there's just many. I mean, I could sit here and waste three hours of your time telling you all the great little things. But for our listeners, we've got to remember, the journey is the destination. You meet people that you never would have met. You go to a World Series game or an All-Star game, just walk the sidewalks. Baseball royalty will walk past you. There's Bob Costas. There's this guy. There's that guy. Holy smoke. It's just those little encounters by being there. Good things happen when you show up,
2: right? Uh, you said little things happen. What well, about you know? You've been to the Little League World Series too. That's a that was a, a great thing to do, right?
0: Little League World Series. If you're a baseball fan, you have to go to a Little League World Series. I didn't go last year, but I went the year before, and I saw the Japanese team. You know, like win their first couple games, and it's like little polite LeBron Jameses. They kick the crap out of the opposition, and then at the end, they're bowing to them. So one day, I'm going to eat, and there is Team Japan standing outside of a Japanese restaurant waiting for it to open. So I make a quick left turn into the parking lot. I walk up to them. I tell them they're studs. Basically, they had one interpreter. You know, he's like, okay, he says, you're studs. And the little guys are bowing to me and all that. And they pose for a picture. In fact, uh, uh, that picture is, you know, on our baseball PhD website. But, uh, yeah, that's great. The College World Series is fantastic. And what I did was I sat down and I said, what would it really take to be a baseball PhD? What's the minimum you got to do? You should go to Tactics League. You should go to grapefruit league you should go to all 30 ballparks you should go to the college world series that's that's postseason baseball in june you should go to the little league world series post base post baseball in august you know so it's outstanding absolutely
2: ed before we let you go you have a great podcast on in-season you talk about all the teams what to do you have great interviews where to go and, and whatnot but the off-season. How do you come up with your off-season topics? What don't I know?
0: We should do a podcast about it.
2: <laughs> no, your off-season po- off
0: topics. Right. Uh-huh. What don't I know? Oh. Well, let's say I'm talking to somebody and they talk about some Hall of Famer. It's like, who? I never heard of the guy. We should do a podcast. And uh, there are times I, I sit down and I come up with stuff. You know, it's just... When we see a topic that we like, we say, let's do it. Now, taking a, an original original, like if, if our listeners ever listened to uh, episode 36, Moe Burke podcast, that took hours and hours. I mean, that was like being on an NPR project where you should have had a staff of like five or six people working like two or three months to do. We even made a uh, podcast trailer for YouTube as a podcast and that took me forever so it's just a balancing act of how in-depth you want to get but you know Jeff if you tell me a good idea or someone else does I go you know what we should try to develop it we produce stuff I think uh, this Saturday will be episode 495 we've got a time so that our 500th episode will be Cleveland Indians slash all-star game right that
2: that, would be amazing are you going to go to the all-star game
0: Yes, only because of Farley. Farley called me about three weeks ago and says, I just got an email. Season ticket holders can buy some tickets before they go on sale for the public. Do you want any? And I said, yeah, give me two, but i got to hang up. I'm sure Mark is going to be calling me right now, too, because he's a season ticket holder. Mark never called me. Uh. But because of Farley, Farley got me two tickets, upper deck, like row L, behind home plate. So I tip my hat to Farley, he was thinking about me and having empathy, so I'm going to go. You know, I, I've got to figure out how to get tickets for the Home Run Derby, I've had a debate with those guys, and if you give me, put a gun to my head, I have more
2: fun watching the Home Run Derby. You know, I went to the Home Run Derby in 2013, and uh, I didn't think I was going to have fun, but that, that was a, a, a great thing to go see, it was really a lot of fun. It's like
0: a baseball party. Yeah. Whereas for the all-star game, it's like, all right, can you strike out the next three Hall of Famers? Where, you know, it's constant contact. And that's the only thing that I'm concerned about sometimes is that the contact rate is lower than it's ever been. Oh, absolutely. You know, you bring a girlfriend or somebody and they're like, I just saw one hitter, shoot me. Where, you know, as baseball guys, it's like, what a masterpiece. But for people who don't love, love, love the game, they'd rather see a nine to eight game.
2: Right. Yeah, you were talking about what to do, and you know, what Len and I do. We love talking about Hall of Famers. So we, we now there's this one Hall of Famer named John Montgomery Ward, and we found out he was he's actually buried near near where we live. So Len and his research, he found out another not a Hall of Famer, but another ball player was buried in the same cemetery, and he's actually a guy named Ollie Latham, and he's actually seventh in all time stolen bases. Now this guy had to be pretty good. So, uh, you know, that's what we, you know, we do some of our traveling here locally and we find out these gems.
0: Yeah, no, I, I went to Satchel Page's grave when I went to the 2011 World Series in Kansas City, and they call it Page Island. It's not an island, but it's like a fork in the road in the cemetery, so they cut out like a little triangle in the fork in the road, and they put Mr. and Mrs. Page there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're, you're looking at the founder of Hallmark, because in Kansas City, that's where Hallmark was formed. Right. So, yeah, you, you can visit cemeteries, you can go to old ballparks. The sky's the limit. One of the most moving moments for me was I went to the Reagan Presidential Museum. I'm standing at the foot of Ronald Reagan's grave, and there's nobody else around me. And I'm like, there should be 10,000 people behind me.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm not worthy to be standing here by myself looking at the Old Gipper.
1: What about, uh, have you ever been to or have plans to go to the uh, Negro Leagues Museum in uh, Kansas City?
0: Yeah, no, I've been to the Negro Leagues Museum. Uh, Populous, which is the architectural firm that basically has built all the new uh, ballparks, is in Kansas City. So I literally, probably 2011, took a winter road trip to Kansas City interviewed people, uh, in fact, I interviewed people from Populous when they were concurrently building Yankee Stadium and City Field. They had the design teams on different floors, and they were not allowed to talk to each other. I also went to the Negro Leagues Museum in the same building. There's like the Jazz Museum, and Kansas City also has a World War One Museum that is pretty outstanding, too. And then you've got the Harry S. Truman Presidential Library in his house, and that's literally 10 minutes away from Kauffman Stadium. So there's lots of things to do in Kansas City, but for baseball fans, going to the Negro Leagues Museum is an absolute must. It's a
1: treasure. And they have incredible barbecue there, too.
0: Yes, in fact, I would argue that that's probably Mecca for barbecue people. I mean, they've got like 60, 70 years of tradition. And uh, that's when I saw real barbecue where it's like, what's this? Well, that's your white bread. Huh? <laughs> I'm used to, uh, you know, these other places that give me like a corn muffin. It's like, no, 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 The original thing is white bread. Here, have some white bread and all that. So Kansas City's probably got four or five outstanding barbecue uh,
1: chains. Yeah, I put... Put someone from Texas in a room with someone from Kansas City, and have them fight it out. See who's uh, who comes out on top. Because people from yeah, my gut is
0: (laughs) yeah. Kansas City has a longer tradition of barbecue excellence. That's my gut.
1: Okay, I won't argue with you. So Ed, we want to
2: thank you very much for taking time out to be on on. uh, B- baseball on bbq tell us
1: how sure. people can get your podcast and your youtube pod- channel
0: well our youtube channel is baseball phd you know for the youtube channel okay. for our podcast go go to itunes uh, stitcher tuned in i forget all the places that i distributed it to in 2010 you just google i mean our website mm-hmm. is BaseballPhD.net, but uh From what I understand, iTunes is still like the mega giant of podcast distribution. But uh, we also have in the App Store a baseball PhD app where you can listen to our podcast. And if you listen through our app, each podcast has bonus material, bonus artwork, a bonus article, and typically another podcast so let's say we're doing the 2019 new york mets podcast typically the bonus episode is the 2018 new york mets podcast and you can compare and contrast and say hey how come they're optimistic in 2018 and now they're dour in 2019
2: well we're always optimistic in the beginning of the season yeah. and then uh
1: Come after free weeks for we're dowered. It's it's the Family Guy. Uh, it's it's the Family Guy episode. You know, here's the pitch, and, and the, season's the season's over. Yeah, no, I kind of feel like the Mets and the Angels are Siamese twins.
0: They're two organizations that keep hovering between like seventy five and eighty two wins a year.
1: And and you're hard, also no matter what you do, you're also on uh, the same. Um, that uh the baseball um, uh baseball dot, dot podcast button right dot net. that we're on with you yeah yeah yes yeah.
0: yes 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 and that's a great organization and there's a guy named rich Baxter from philly's talk who kind of put together that baseball talk radio or whatever right. and uh you know we do our best to also promote our listeners to go there to listen to other great baseball podcasts
1: Hopefully ours being one of them. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Good, exactly.
0: Exactly. Thank you. Uh, Let me ask you one last question. Where's the best barbecue you've had at a ballpark?
1: Oh, the best in a ballpark, um, I I will definitely say, is uh, Bull's Barbecue at Citizens Bank Park. But... We, we, you know, need, we need to go down to investigate right. further. We have to go to yeah. Baltimore to go to barbecue and we've got to right. go to Kansas right. City and, and I'm I'm sure in Texas they must have uh at the park and you know. Blue smoke is also very good at uh at City Field, but yeah, Bulls Barbecue was really good.
0: Right. It seems just like yesterday I was a twelve year old boy watching Greg Levinsky play at Veterans Stadium.
1: Yeah, you know what? You know what's really sad. You know, you, you've got people that that are big baseball nuts who who know who Greg Luzinski is. But then you speak to people and they claim to be baseball fans, and you mention these players like Greg Luzinski or you know any of these guys, and they don't know who they are. That's that's a, well,
0: he was like a Triple A Hall of Famer. He was almost, but not a Hall of Famer. Right. And I had an aunt and uncle that lived in Philly. And, you know, I'd go see him for, like, a couple weeks in a summer, and they'd take me to the ball game. And, you know, that was the era where Steve Carlton was a 20-win pitcher, Mm -hmm. but after him, the Phillies were terrible. And Greg Lysinski and Mike Schmidt were, like, the two, you know, stars, and everybody else was filler. I, I remember the closest I ever came to a foul ball after Gamble hit something to the first base side, and it was, like, Three rows above my head. That was when I was twelve. I'm 58, and I still have not gotten a legitimate foul ball.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, he. I think he was a five. Luzinski was a five-time All-Star. Won the World Series in 1980. I mean, he was. He was the real deal. He was.
0: I know, but if he was a ten-time All-Star, he'd be a Hall of Famer. Yes. Right. You know, he's like A, I, a year ago, I would have said he's like an Edgar Martinez. But then Edgar Martinez just got into the Hall of Fame by the skin of his teeth, right? Yeah. yeah. But he was like that. Like, he was good. Right. He was good. But, you know, he, he'll never be a first-ballot Hall of Famer, and the goal is can he be a Hall of Famer on the 10th ballot. But, yeah, so I understand. Philadelphia people should know who Greg Lusinski is. Yeah. But the sense. average yeah. Clevelander, uh, they they wouldn't know who Greg Lusinski is unless they went to Veterans Stadium and, and, and lived it and saw it and all that.
1: But even then, it's if, if it's funny because when when we're at City Field and there are guys who you know played with the Mets in the '80s and whatever, they are swarmed. There are tables. The lines are are around the you know they're forever long. Right. And right. when when we were with Greg Luzinski, he's there. We 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 interviewed him, and then he sat there. It, it was amazing because. Here he is, Greg Luzinski, and people are just, you know, walking past, not even, I mean, and he's right there under his baseball cards. And, you know, some people went over to him, but I, I don't know. It's I, I They're not as passionate, I think, as uh, as uh, have you, yeah. As New have Yorker. you
0: seen the Bryce Harper prophecy? Will that be Bryce Harper in 30 years in Philadelphia? I don't know. Good thing.
1: Yeah, well, I don't think Bryce Harper is going to have a, a, a barbecue stand, um, you know. No. <laughs> I think Bryce Harper will be, be, be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll need to work ever again, so. Well, Ed, thank you very much for joining us here. We've really enjoyed it. Yeah, thank, thank you, Thank you, guys. Yeah. Right. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. We'll be right back.
0: I'm Ed Randall, and you're listening to Baseball and Barbecue.
3: The Here's the mail, it never fails, it makes me wanna wag my tail. When it comes I
1: want Hey Jeff! We've got mail. We do.
2: We do. We have mail from a very good friend, longtime listener, Larry Roush, and we thank Larry for sending it in. And it goes like this. Hey, Jeff and Len. Your interview with Ed Randall was very insightful. Some questions you asked Ed put him on the spot, and he had to come up with the first things that popped into his head. I agreed with Ed about the best outfields on with Jesse Barfield when I saw him play with the Yankees and Dave Winfield, as well as a young Ichiro Suzuki. I immediately thought of Barfield after Jeff asked the question and before Ed even answered it. It was a little painful for me to bring up the name because... One of my favorite Yankee prospects, Al, Smokin' and Leiter, was traded for Barfield. Leiter was usually hurt with blisters on his pitching hand while with the Yankees' Major League team. He didn't solve his problems for good until he was playing with Toronto for a couple of years. Back to Ed's interview. I know he doesn't like the DH because it takes a strategy out of the game like the double switch. I will always disagree with people like him and Jeff about the DH, which is great for the game and even older players who don't want to retire. Baloney. That was my editorial. <laughs> Otherwise, players like Ed Martinez and David Ortiz may not have their long and successful careers. I especially like the discussion you had with Ed about the pitch counts and why is 100 pitches so significant. It was a bit amusing when he said, when he said who came up with the 100 pitch count. I never realized that Ed Randall's show got started in White Plains on American, American Avenue. At least Ed agreed with me, meaning Larry, and other Yankee fans that Mario Rivero deserved to be unanimous Hall of Famer. He even said that Mo was the greatest reliever ever. I know Jeff disagreed with Ed about these two points, even if he didn't say anything. <laughs> That's true. I didn't realize that Sandy Koufax threw as hard as, as uh, 95, even though Ed was estimating the amount. Great job again with this interview and your podcast. It's very entertaining to listen to while I make the time. One barbecue question for Len. Yes. Approximately how long do you grill corn on a barbecue and at what temperatures? Should it be wrapped in foil if you put it on the grill not wrapped in bacon? bacon? bacon. <laughs> like in episode 34? I seldom grill corn on the cob but plan to do more this barbecue season due to your podcast.
1: Wow. Thank. First of all, thanks, Larry. What we are doing for the corn industry, they're going to have to grow more years of corn if, uh, if more people are going to grill corn because of us. Okay, so here's my opinion on corn. No, don't put it in foil. Okay, if you're putting it in foil, you might as well just stick it in the oven. I mean, what's the point? Okay, you want it over the fire. Corn has natural sugars in it, and you want those sugars to caramelize. So, you know what? If you if you're cooking So I like to cook it in the in the husk, right? In the husk. Okay. But if you're not a fan of that or you don't want to do that and you, you peel off the husk, so you can put it directly over the fire. And if you get some of those you know, you'll get some of the kernels and they'll they'll darken, that's okay. Now, if they blacken, you know, you don't want them to get too dark because then they burn. Temperature-wise, you want about a medium fire, which is about 350 degrees. You could cook it for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. That should be enough. You know, it's funny, corn. What you're really doing is you're almost heat. You're you're heating it. You know, I mean, yes, it's cooking. But there's no like temperature that it has to be. It's not like meat where you have to have a certain. Like I said on the last episode, you know, if it's chicken, you don't want to have it less than 165 degrees. But the corn is fine. So maybe it gets ready a little sooner or whatever. Uh, Maybe it takes a little longer. Maybe it's a thicker corn because you want to keep you want to keep turning it. Not you want to let it sit for a while on the grill, and then turn it, and then let it sit, and then turn it, because you want to make sure you get all the sides of the corn, and obviously it's a circle, so it's a little harder to do. It doesn't have four sides to it, but yeah, 350, and like I said, let the, let the kernels, let the fire and the kernels meld together, and so you get that caramelization. That's why corn is really good on the grill. I would not wrap it in foil, and you know, we'll talk about this on other episodes, but caramelization, fruit is another thing that's great on the grill, because you have the the sugars in fruit, and then they, the fire, they caramelize, and you, you can get some really great things like peaches are great on the grill, pineapples great on the grill, so I'm not, I'm, I'm just teasing at the episodes in the future. Ah,
2: uh, okay, what about bananas? Bananas go on the grill?
1: You know, I'm not a I'm not a grilled fruit fan, so I never grilled bananas on the grill. But probably they okay. probably are, yes. <laughs> but now let's since we're talking barbecue, right? It All right, on barbecue. All right, so let's one. Let's talk about a competition that happened this past weekend.
2: I love competitions.
1: Well, you know, Jeff, we went to a, a barbecue competition uh, last year in Staten Island, right? Yeah, and also in uh, Atlantic City. Right, exactly. That's true. The one in Atlantic City was a competition. It's like... All right, so you know golf has the majors, right? You've got the Masters. You've got the PGA. you got the, the British Open, right? All those. Tennis. You've got Wimbledon. And you've got the U.S. Open. And you've got the... uh You know, right. And and uh, Right, those. So you've got your majors. Well, in barbecue competition, one of your majors is called Memphis in May Memphis in May where is it held boy I, geez if I know I I don't know <laughs> well
2: tell me about Memphis in May
1: <laughs> you know I'm kidding
2: and when, and, and when, when is it held yeah. <laughs> in
1: May oh okay you know I, I made a joke but maybe there are people who don't know where it's held it's held in Memphis Tennessee okay 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 (laughs) Okay. 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 all right it was this past weekend and the winner of memphis in may was tuffy stone of cool smoke now he had a tuffy stone tuffy Stone. stone was that is that his given name it's the only name i know him by and i don't know him i wish i knew him he is an incredible barbecuer he's a great cook he, if you ever see the show um, Pitmasters, yeah, he's one of the judges on Pitmasters. He, and he has restaurants and he has cookbooks. One day I would love to have him on this show, but he won Memphis in May. The uh, It's called Grand Champion, and he won. Okay, so congratulations to Tuffy Stone, winner of Memphis in May. Now, one of the great things about this podcast is Is that we get uh, to see some books. We have, whether it's baseball books or barbecue books. Yes, right? Yes, we do. And we were lucky enough to receive um, a book which is uh, by Stephen Reichlin. Who? Stephen Reichlin. Okay. If you are not familiar with Stephen Reichlin, again, the internet is your friend. You just Google him. He is a prolific barbecue author. He has uh, shows all the time on PBS, tons of grilling shows, and he has one book. His first book, I believe, was the Barbecue Bible. If you are looking to get some books, some cookbooks, uh, he is a great author, and and his books are fantastic. They really uh, they'll guide you well in in barbecue. But he has a book called The Brisket Chronicles now. Brisket is one of the hardest things to barbecue. You got to cook it low and slow, it's with the smoke and all that. So he came out with this book dedicated to brisket and we received it. And this isn't the first time we're going to talk about it. But let me just say a few things about it. One, the pictures are incredible. Uh the writing is great. He talks about all the different ways that brisket can be made. You know, brisket, there's of course Jewish brisket, there's Texas brisket, brisket sandwiches, brisket size, I'm reading all the things in the book. He even has, he talks about the best sauces and rubs, and he even has a brisket dessert.
2: Really? Now, is this different recipes than brisket, or just, uh, like, stories about it?
1: There's stories, he talks about the origin of brisket, and there's recipes, a lot of recipes. If you're looking to your brisket skills or just get started making brisket definitely recommend this book as I said this isn't going to be the first time we talk about it but I just wanted to bring it up because barbecue season is upon us and this book you could get it on Amazon.com uh, you could get it in your local bookstore I'm sure your library has it and it's called The Brisket Chronicles by Stephen Reichlin. again an author, a barbecue personality that I hope one day will come on baseball and BBQ.
2: That'd be, that'd be great. Now, Stephen Reichland, you spell that R-A-I-C-H-L-E-N.
1: That is correct. I highly recommend his book. If you are not looking to just learn about brisket, I recommend some of his other books. So, Jeff, Stephen Reichlin. If, like I said, if, you, if you're not interested in just learning about brisket, let, some of his books that you could just see uh, going online, Barbecue Sauces, barbecue so- and then he's got a book co- called Project Smoke. Then he's got a book called Project Fire. What about Reichland's Burgers? That's another book. The one that he first came out with was the Barbecue Bible, which he's since updated. I highly recommend that book. That is really great. He also has a book. It was about barbecue all over the world. Uh, he's got How to Grill, which is another good book. He has Barbecue USA, and then he has a book called Planet Barbecue. So you can't go wrong with any of them.
2: He has a lot of recipes, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah, he does. You 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 could not possibly make all these recipes. Uh, if you made one a day, you could you could just one book. You could spend a year making all these recipes.
2: I, I see he has a book for just beer canned chicken.
1: Yes, he does. Yeah. I think he does he have a rib book too? He might yes. ribs, ribs, ribs. Right. Three times ribs. So yeah. Stephen Reichlin again. Would love to have him on this show. Hopefully, one day we will. Stephen, if you're listening, call in. <laughs> yeah. Give the number, Jeff. 516-855-8214. Imagine if, we, if one day we listen to that and it's, Hi, it's Stephen Reichlin. Uh, I wanted to come on your show, but uh, unfortunately, I got your voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. All right. Anyway, again, Stephen Reichlin, his books. Thank you. I don't know what else to say except that he is a fantastic barbecue cookbook author.
2: Well, yeah. If, uh, if you want to start barbecuing the different recipes, you know, just don't want to do chicken and burgers and, and steak,
1: you know, try something different. Yeah. What, what do you got to lose? And, and his books have uh, the methods. Uh, it will tell you about how to set up the fires, whether you're using a gas grill or charcoal or how to set up your smoker.
2: You know. You know what I do? I'm gonna, you know, make my burgers and chicken on the side. But check check out one of his recipes. This way, doesn't come out right exactly. The one, you know, at least he got some food. But try it out. You know, what's, what, what what could
1: possibly go wrong? He has a book. One of his books, uh, I forget which one, has had a rotisserie a pineapple. And as I said, grilled fruit is really great. And uh, the grilled pineapple recipe is great. All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up this week for this week's show. Hope you enjoyed it. I know I did.
2: You did? I certainly did. Please, give us a call, 516-855-8214. Rate us on iTunes. Give us a rating. That'd be great. We'd love to see it. Uh, email us, baseball and bbq at com and leave a message
1: on our Facebook page. We will read your email. We will play your message. You'll be part of our show. And wouldn't you like to be Part of our show. Absolutely. So next time, this is Jeff and Len
2: signing off. Three! Four.